Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and in this episode, we are joined by a fellow member of Cardiac Hill of the team, Colin Sturchio. He has been with Cardiac Hill for a little bit now. Colin, welcome to Unscripted. Awesome. Thank you very much, Corey, for having me. I appreciate it. We're thrilled to have you on, and uh, we're going to be talking about the UNC game. We're also going to be talking about pit football as a whole this season, uh, because basically where things are is that Pitt, at the moment, they're 8-2, and two, and they last played on Thursday. We were hoping to get this out uh, on uh, Friday. It didn't happen, so it worked out that we're going to be talking about the UNC game, but we're also going to be previewing the upcoming Virginia game and talking about pit football as a whole. Uh, so about the game, it was a few days ago at this point, uh, but it was a weird game. Pitt scored 17 points in the first quarter, six points in the second. They were dominating at halftime. And then in the second half, they didn't score a single point. And they let UNC uh, score 16. They tied the game and it had to go to overtime, of course, when they won it. Uh, just things were so different between the first half, especially the first quarter and the second half. I mean, when it was happening, Colin, what were you thinking when you were watching that second half play out? I know I was talking to you while I was, while I was watching it and I got to the end and I said, it's just like a Steelers game at this point. They can't let anybody go to bed. They can't let anybody feel comfortable. I know normally as a Pittsburgh fan, especially if you root for the Steelers, you feel nine times out of 10, like you've got a good thing going, especially with that type of a lead. But Pitt, I don't know what it is. We just have a tendency to, we let those bad teams kind of come back and make it interesting. And as a fan, it's a great thing to watch, but at the same time, you're on the edge of your seat saying, what's going on? This shouldn't be happening. Yeah, it really is. This is not, I mean, as you said, as a, as entertainment, I guess it's kind of fun, but if you've got a a vesting interest in this team winning uh, it's, it's really stressful. And there are a lot of times where it's not enjoyable. It's enjoyable if you're, not a fan of Pitt or North Carolina watching that game. But if you're a Pitt fan, I think you're watching that second half thinking, here we go again. I mean, this is pitting 101. You have something that should be 
yours for the taking and you are just giving it away. I mean, that's what I think a lot of fans, most people, they saw at halftime, they looked at the, the halftime score line and they said, oh, this is this game is this game is over. I think every Pitt fan or anyone who's watched Pitt that looked at that halftime score line thought, yeah, I don't know about this. I, I think there's a chance they could lose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like just being a Pitt fan, it takes like a 70 to nothing score to say, okay, we got this in the bag. Because other than that, look at that score. Anybody else would have looked at it, like you said, and said, sweet, I can cruise through this, pay attention on my phone. I don't need to watch. We're good. Every Pitt fan said, all right, this is appointment television because I got a feeling this is going to go downhill fast. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think it's about a 70 point lead that you need uh, to feel good about it because, yeah, every single person uh, online, everyone on Twitter, I mean, everyone looked at that halftime score and said Pitt should have had another seven, 10, 14 points in that half. Then maybe we'd feel comfortable as things stood. I don't think anyone felt particularly good where things were. Uh, leading was a 23 to seven. I mean, it just, well, if there's any pit team of recent time that you should feel good about, it's this one, right? I mean, I don't, I think we've got to, I know if we win this week, we, we lock the coastal and overall that should make you feel great going into last week's game saying, okay, we should be able to cruise right in and be fine. And especially with that lead. But again, pit one oh one, we don't have that luxury. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, I think everyone sort of thought they saw what was going to happen and then it did happen. And then things of course, of course, turned in overtime. One thing I want to talk about in that second half was the play calling. Um, Mark Whipple, he's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers and that team, they were so uh, frustrating to watch in the second half. Some of the play calls, I just could not for the life of me understand. There were times when they should have still been aggressive in the third quarter, trying to score, trying to put up more points. They were just running the ball, uh, you know, with Vincent Davis or something. And then there were other times where late in the fourth quarter, when it's okay, you're up, you've got to drain clock. You've got to put this one away and you should run the ball. And they were passing and stopping the clock. It was just so difficult to understand what the mindset was there for Mark Whipple and the offensive staff, because the, the first quarter was so good. They called such a first quarter, great first quarter in uh, to start off with the offense. I don't know what they were thinking for much of that second half. I almost wonder if they just got sloppy and just said, okay, if we played that great of a first half, we can, we can almost just do whatever we think is the best at this point and just kind of coast. And I don't care. The ACC is the ACC for a reason. I mean, at this point, UNC was five and four. There's a reason they're five and four, but still, it's still a darn good football team at that point. And you can't you can't just let anybody try and coast through. You're gonna you're gonna regret it in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I don't know if it was intentional or or what, but for whatever reason, yeah, they seem to just be just riding the brakes in in the second half, and it it was not good. And it it was frustrating to see an offense that's been so good for so much of the season and so good in that very game, just sputter completely in the second half. Well, I almost wonder if they were hoping the weather would come in a little sooner. Interesting, and yeah. that might be why, because as soon as the weather hit in overtime, it was game over for North Carolina. Pitt dominated once it hit overtime and that rain came and it rained cats and dogs. And Pitt just said, all right, time to throw it on the back. And 
I feel terrible. I can't remember the tight end's name at this point. Um, uh, Lucas Kroll. Yes. And he, that ball was just going right to him. I mean, there was no stopping it. But North Carolina, it was like the rain came and they hit a wall. And it was great for the Panthers, but it made you really wonder were they hoping the rain was going to come sooner and that was going to cause them to sputter or did they just get lazy and sloppy? Yeah, it, and, it, and it's tough to say, but uh, overall, that second half is one to forget. And you, you hope you don't see that offense again this season because they really don't have the luxury of, of playing that way um, against a team like Virginia. You just can't do it. Well, yeah, exactly. If they come in this week playing against Virginia, there's a problem if they're playing that same way. And I'm sorry, if the ACC comes down to Pitt and Wake Forest the way it looks like it might be, if you play like that against Wake Forest, you're going to be sorry. Yeah, you need to score a ton of points against Wake Forest, and you, you can't get complacent. Uh, I mean, overall, so this game was incredibly close. Uh, Pitt won 30-23. to 23. It took until overtime. Uh, if not for the massive amounts of rain, who knows how it would have played out. Uh, but I've seen differing opinions on a game like this. I mean, on one hand, sort of, I think the initial, what everyone was thinking on Thursday was this is pathetic. This is the same old pit. How did they let this go to overtime? You don't feel good about the win. Uh, just an ugly game. But then in the, uh, I would say a few hours, probably the next day, I would say probably by like Friday morning, the attitude seemed to have shifted to more, you know what, a win is a win. They got the victory. Um, that's a game that normally Pitt would lose. And instead of finding a way to lose it, they found a way to win it. And you're going to have to learn how to win close games and, you know, resiliency and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, overall, do you think this was more of a net positive that they found a way to win a tough, you know, hard fought close game? or a negative that they let North Carolina claw back into it? I mean, regardless in a win this close against when you're an eight and one team, you don't want a game like that to be so close. So that's a negative, but I think overall, like you said, a game like this, normally an eight and one pit team, any other season, eight and two, they would have let eight and two, they would have let this fall right through and they would have lost. And to be able to, pick up the pieces and come back together even in overtime and secure the win. I think it's a net positive. Like you said, it's a win, a win is a win. And at the end of the day, it's just a matter of moving on to Virginia. And like Pat Narduzzi says, we're one to know this week. We're one to know this week. And that's the mindset you got to have played like crap last week. Just keep it going. If we can get one to know against Virginia, we're great. Learn yeah. from your mistakes and keep going. Yeah. I mean, we saw last year there were, back-to-back games that Pitt lost by a single point. So, and obviously in, in the years prior, Pitt usually found ways to lose those really close games. But, and, and so far this season, they haven't had really close games. I mean, Georgia Tech was a blowout. Uh, Virginia Tech was a blowout. Clemson, not that close. Uh, Miami was pretty close, but it didn't go, you know, right down to the wire. Uh, and then Duke was a blowout. So they haven't had a situation like this where it, you know, really either went to overtime or is really close to going to overtime. And yeah, I mean, for every, you know, legitimate thing of 
they shouldn't have let it get that close. They shouldn't have let it get to overtime. That's absolutely true. But I think the fact that you saw that once it gets there, that they can win it, especially when they played so poorly in the second half and they were able to stop that negative momentum. Everything happening in the second half, North Carolina gaining and gaining. They didn't let that carry over into the overtime. Maybe weather was part of that, but I, I do think that is a positive takeaway. Well, and I completely agree with that. And also, like you said, we haven't had games that have been close. So for a team of – for a pit team of this caliber to, to have a close game, regardless, it's a learning experience because you get to that point where it's, okay, guys, it's time to buckle down. It's time to do what we got to do and secure this win. And like you said, there haven't been other games this season to do that. So regardless, I think it's a positive because it taught a different scheme and it caught it it made the team think in a different mindset. So even though you don't hope that you're going to have a close game against North Carolina at the end of the day, it's still somewhat of a positive. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, Now looking at the season so far, I mean, Pitt is eight and two. They lost the game to Western Michigan. Honestly, that was probably the closest game until North Carolina of the season. Uh, And then they lost to Miami. Um, But out, you know, outside of those two losses, they've won eight games. Uh, they're in a great position to win the Coastal, and they've got a decent chance to win the ACC championship. At the start of the season, would you have expected this? I mean, your expectations, what were they, and and how much of this is a surprise? And, I mean, just how do you feel about this season so far? I thought Pickett was going to have a great season, and Pickett's shown that, I mean, being a Heisman hopeful. And to me, in all honesty, to be an above 500 team was my hope. To say at this point in the season be eight and two is exceeding expectations, and to have the coastal be able to be a lock this weekend is beyond my expectations. So I think regardless for Pitt fans, I've heard it all around and I've heard it on the radio so much. Soak it in while you got the chance. Because how many times do we get the chance to actually be in this position? The last time we won the division was what we were a losing record and we got knocked off by Clemson right in the ACC championship. Yeah, it was a, it was a bad uh, non-conference slate that year. They played well in the ACC, uh, you know, regular season, but there was no chance that Pitt was going to win, you know, beat Coastal well, that year. Exactly. And so to me, where you've actually got a, a very decent team and a very decent shot at the ACC itself, every Pitt fan needs to soak it in while we got a chance. And I genuinely see this being – the start of something special, whether that means being close to a national championship in years to come, I'm not going to go that far just because I see the way that the, the football playoff tends to skew. But if they can keep this competitive going for years to come, I'm perfectly happy with it. Interesting. So I want to ask you about that because I've been thinking about that as well in terms of what, is this season, is this season the, the, you know, start of things to come and, and this is going to be Pat Narduzzi is going to have a huge run moving forward. And this is going to be an eight win team every single year. And some years they'll win nine or 10 or even more. Um, and, and really be a competitor year in, year out to win the coastal, but then also maybe have a chance to win the ACC. Or is this the last hurrah? Is this, Kenny Pickett has been maybe the best quarterback in the country this season. Uh, He is obviously gone to the NFL next year. And without him, 
there's just no way that this team wins these many games, this many games. And so is this the last hurrah of, Hey, you've got a great quarterback, enjoy it while it lasts. But next year without him, this team's going to win six, you know, they're going to go six and six. I don't necessarily think that I think Pickett obviously has a huge part in the success of this game this season, but it really depends on who Narduzzi brings in to be that, that quarterback next year. I think if you can bring somebody in who has a similar makeup to Pickett, you've got a good shot. But if you're trying to go in a completely different scheme, then I think you're going to be more towards that six and six area. It just, to me, it really depends who he puts under center because I think overall the scheme he's got right now is a scheme that'll work. And it's just a matter of executing. Yeah. I'm, I've got to be honest. I'm concerned about it. I'm I'm not thinking about it too much. I mean, this it's more for, you know, season preview next year and everything. Cause so much of it depends, but there is a large part of me that's thinking that without Kenny Pickett next year, and there's no surefire great quarterback behind him. I mean, you've got Nick Patty and you've got Davis Bevel, but there's no one who definitely is, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be great. And without that, even if you have talent at other positions, even if you have a Banacanda, even if you have uh, Jordan Addison, even if you have Gavin Bartholomew at the tight end, that without Kenny Pickett, you know, Pitt doesn't win all these games that, you know, there are uh, at least, you know, three games maybe that are because of Kenny Pickett. And so without that, this would just be a middling team. So uh, I'm not sold on it, but I definitely, I think I'm a bit more, concerned than you and then maybe maybe more than a lot of people when it comes to next year i don't know if this pit team is going to be able to sustain anything close to this i'd love to be proven wrong but at the moment i'm kind of in the mindset of enjoy it right now because kenny pickett and this team is they're doing something incredible i i don't expect it to last well in all honesty I hate to keep sounding like a broken record at this point, but if you're any smart pit fan, it's to enjoy it while it lasts this year. Yep. Because I think regardless, I mean, seeing Kenny Pickett play the way he has has been amazing. And anybody who's watched over these past four seasons or so has seen him evolve into something great. And he's got a great shot to be something special, I think, at least in the NFL. And I completely understand your pessimism. I don't, I don't dis- disagree with it at all. And maybe it's looking at this season with road co- rose-colored glasses, but I definitely think come spring football, we're going to have a clear idea of, is it going to be back to six and six or worse? Or is there going to be something that is going to spark from this season to lead on to the future? Yeah, it, it'll be really interesting. Uh, back to this season, though. Huge, huge game this weekend against uh, Virginia it's literally playing for the coastal. There aren't too many opportunities that you have where it is. It comes down to one game and it's toward the end of the season. So both teams know it at the time. If you win this game, it's yours. And that's the situation where if Pitt wins this game against Virginia, the coastal's theirs. If Virginia wins it against Pitt, it's almost definitely theirs. The only way they could lose it at that point would be if, uh, if Pitt, were to beat Syracuse, which is possible. And then Virginia loses to uh, Virginia tech possible, but especially the latter, not that likely. So if Virginia beats Pitt, 
the Coastal is likely theirs. Whereas if Pitt beats Virginia, it's over. That's it. Uh, Virginia going into this game, they're six and five, but they are a lot better than their record shows. Uh, they, or excuse me, six and four, a lot better than their record shows. Uh, they lost to North Carolina early in the season when UNC was better. And obviously now Pitt fans have seen UNC still a pretty good team. They lost to Wake Forest, a very good team this year. But outside of that, they beat Miami, they beat Louisville, they beat Duke, they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, then they lost in a shootout to BYU, a really good team. And then this past week, they lost to Notre Dame without their starting quarterback. That wasn't surprising. So overall, this is a good Virginia team. The big question, of course, is if they're going to have their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, who is out against Notre Dame. He's got over 3,500 yards on the season, 27 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So that's it's looking like he's going to go. We'll see. Uh, but assuming that he plays and assuming that he's relatively healthy with this game, everything on the line, where are you leaning in this game? What, what sort of percentage, if you were an odds maker, what would you go with? Honestly, like you said, Virginia's playing better than their record shows, and I'm keeping this pretty close to the best. It's somewhere in that 55-45 range. I, with the way Pitt's been playing, and I think kind of having – having this game against North Carolina, I hope puts a fire under them to come out and not have a sloppy game like Thursday. And if you want any game to have a fire under you, it's this game against Virginia. I still think it's going to be close, but if I'm given a percent percentage, I'm saying it's 55, 45 pit. I'm right around with you. I'm right around there. Uh, so last <coughs> week I, and I I've predicted and I've been wrong many times, but this season so far, I've predicted every game correctly except for the uh, 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 Western Michigan one. Uh, not, so, a wrong, not a bad one to be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I so everyone, are. I know because we always do on the staff, we always do our picks every week. Uh, and so everyone got that wrong. But I, I, I think I'm the only one left who's gotten all the other ones right. Um, so not that that means anything in terms of this. However... Uh, last week, I said that Pitt would win a close game. I thought it would be three points or less. It ended up being by seven because it went to overtime. But still that, you know, the, the thought of it's going to be a really close game. It's going to be hard fought. That played out. I'm feeling the exact same thing this week. I think if Pitt wins, it'll be by under seven points. Uh, if Virginia wins, I think it'll be by under seven points or seven or under, I should say. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a blowout by either side. Uh, I think right now, I believe uh, the betting line is up to 13 and a pit is favored by 13 and a half points, which I think means that'll get closer as the week goes on. I, I think so. And especially if Brennan Armstrong, if he's confirmed that he's going to play, I think the number 13 and a half is insane. I don't see any way. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't see any way that Pitt wins by two touchdowns. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be a close game. I would not at all be surprised if Virginia wins this. I think being at home helps. I think having a bit of momentum and and maybe, as you said, having that spark, uh, that fire lit under them last week might help. Virginia, even if Brennan Armstrong plays, he might be a little bit rusty. It will have been a few weeks since he last played. I'm leaning pit. I would say 60, 40, but I think it's definitely uh, seven points or under. Yeah. I just, I don't think that this is going to be any sort of a blowout. 
I'm going to be even closer than you. I je- I will not be surprised if this game comes down to a field goal in the fourth quarter one bit. Yeah, I I that would not shock me at all. And uh for Pitt, I mean, I think if you're a Pitt fan, you hope that that doesn't happen because uh you don't have the most reliable kicking situation at the moment. No. You've got Sam Scarton who he's a freshman and you know, given time, but it's not Chris Blewett, it's not Alex Kessman. There's there's still a bit of concern there. So you hope it doesn't come down to a field goal. But I mean, with with everything on the line this weekend, I think Pitt pulls it out. But you're right. I, I think seven or under, maybe even three or under. I think it's it's gonna be a really, really close game. Well, like you said, I with everything being on the line, I I would not be surprised one bit if Narduzzi has a mindset of throw everything at the wall throw the kitchen sink in Virginia and let's just try and do everything we can to get a win because obviously you want to try and win the last game of the season after this. But I think more importantly, especially, especially to Narduzzi, it's let's win the coast. Don't let's beat Virginia. Cause at that point, our season set. Yeah. And, because and you- ultimately, I mean, because of the situation, right. If they beat Virginia, they could rest everyone against Syracuse. It doesn't really matter. It's exactly. rare if that's the case in college football. I don't think they would do it, uh, you know, with rankings and all that stuff. But they could literally just completely phone it in against Syracuse. All they have to do is win this game. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's why I, I will not be surprised one bit if it's it's that mindset of throw everything against the kitchen sink. Because if there's one week to play 1-0, and it's against Virginia for the, with the Coast 1 Alliance. Because like you said, I think there's a high likelihood, regardless, that we beat Syracuse. But I don't think there's as high a likelihood that Virginia loses next week and then what was a nine and or a ten and two season at that point. To sit on the sidelines and then go to a bowl in December. You don't feel as great about that as, as you do if you won the coastal. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that that is still the situation where again, if if Pitt loses to Virginia, there's a chance that if they beat Syracuse, but yeah, it's, it really is this game. You you don't want to have to worry about beating Syracuse and then just pray that Virginia tech beats Virginia because Virginia tech's not in a very good spot right now. You want to go out there and you want to win this ball game. Uh, what's interesting to me about this season. And we talked about it a little bit at the top and how different it is to uh, a few seasons ago when Pitt made it to Charlotte in the ACC championship game is if Pitt makes it, they would have a real good shot at winning, like a good 50% shot of winning that game against, at this point, it's looking like Wake Forest, who can clinch it this upcoming weekend. When they played Clemson a few years ago, there was maybe a 1% chance that Pitt wins that game. And people were still excited to be there and to to go just in case that 1% pans out. But that wouldn't be anything like this year, where Pitt, if they win this game against Virginia and they go to Charlotte, they've got a real good shot at winning the ACC. And that is something that has seemed like just a complete impossibility in recent years, to be honest. I know that's the stated goal. They all say, what's the goal to win the ACC? With Clemson being as dominant as they have been in years, that has been a fever dream. And yet it is very possible with really two more wins. Because again, if they win this game against Virginia, Syracuse doesn't matter. Two more wins, and they achieve what we all thought was pretty impossible. Well, and I genuinely think, had you gone into the beginning of this year 
and said to a Pitt fan week one, hey, come come the end of the season, you guys are going to have a shot at the ACC championship. Every single Pitt fan probably would have laughed in your face because I know, especially living down here in Georgia and seeing what it's like having Clemson so close, everybody thought Clemson was still going to be as dominant. And then that game against Georgia hit week one and the ACC turned on its head very fast. And so to have something like that, I think is great, regardless for the ACC as a whole, because there's finally not that powerhouse to say, well, it's just going to be, it's just going to be Clemson or like last year, it's going to be Notre Dame and Clemson. That's what everybody expected. So to have this year be the possibility of Pitt and Wake Forest, I think you've got a great shot. And it's, even if we don't make it every single year, I think you have a shot for seasons to come as long as we're good, because there's not that powerhouse of a team to lead the ACC going forward. It really depends on Clemson, right? And it depends on Dabo, Dabo and, and, if he can turn things around. Um, and that's if he stays. And that's if he stays. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there could be, and, and that could also be a factor in moving forward. And like we were t- talking about with, is this going to be a powerhouse moving forward? I mean, is Pitt going to be really good? Part of it is, is there that big bad that you can't beat? And for years, that's been the case. There was no way, when Pitt joined the ACC, first year was Florida State. There's no way you can beat Florida State. They won the national championship. They were phenomenal. And then really from, from there, all there was a little transition between Florida State and Clemson. And since then, it's been Clemson. Clemson is the big bad. You can't beat them. Winning the Coastal just means taking turns on who's going to get pummeled by Clemson and Charlotte as they go to the playoff and you go to some decent bowl game. This year, and maybe it'll continue, maybe it won't. But the only thing we know for certain is that this year, Clemson's not going to be there is that this year, whoever wins the Coastal does have a good shot to win the ACC championship. And that very well may not be the case moving forward. So when, you've got, when you're in this situation, you have to win it. I know if you're a Pitt fan, most people say, oh, we just want to you know, be in a position. And in general, I think it's true. You just want to be in a position where you win like eight games a year, you go to a good bowl game, maybe once in a while, you make it to the ACC championship. Most people don't think this pit program needs to win the ACC championship. And before the season, no one was saying that, but when, now that you're this close, now that it only takes really two more wins, I think everyone would be disappointed if Pitt doesn't win the ACC championship because they can. And who knows if that's going to ever happen again. I agree. Like you said, your goal at the start of a season is to be that decent team. You don't want to be the team in the ACC that everybody's laughing at at the wall, at the water cooler, hundred percent. And Genuinely, I think Pitt kind of thought they might be that. No, I don't think anybody except for maybe Kenny Pickett thought he was going to be this great. Because I saw him last year, I thought he was great, but I didn't think he'd do this at all. And to me, like you said, you're this close. It'd almost be a disappointment to not win it. That's the way I look at it. Like, if I can give advice to any Pitt fan for this season is if you remember the feeling that you had when we went down to Clemson in 2016 and we beat Clemson and played spoiler on that undefeated season, bottle that feeling up, bottle that emotion up and take it with you these next two weeks because you're going to need it. And you're going to want that excitement behind you because this is a team to have. Yeah. It's uh, 
it's really interesting the situation that they're in. And at this point, just two more wins. You beat Virginia. Doesn't matter what you do against Syracuse. And then you beat, assuming Wake in the uh, down in Charlotte in the ACC championship. Don't care about the bowl. I mean, people would be, you know, the bowl game's fun, but ultimately doesn't really matter. Winning the ACC I mean, is what matters. And that's agreed. what you want to do. Yeah, it's it's don't think about, you know, you don't have to worry about Syracuse. You don't have to worry about a bowl game. You don't have to worry about next year. If Clemson's going to be back and you, and goes on another 20 year run or on a 20 year run and no one else can win the ACC. I don't care at this point. And no one should really care at this point. Just think about these two games, beat Virginia, beat Wake down in Charlotte, and that's it. And you have achieved winning this conference that no one, when Pitt signed up, no one thought Pitt could win. Not a single person. In a conference with Florida State, with Clemson, with Miami, you never know, with Virginia Tech. I mean, programs that have been a lot more successful than Pitt in the last 10, 20 years. No one thought that Pitt could feasibly win the ACC. And here they are with a, a good shot to do it with two more wins. And that's, you know, it's really impressive. I completely agree. I mean, that's why I said just every Pitt fan at this point, soak it in while you got it, because there's no guarantee it's going to be back. If there's any fan base in the ACC to know that it's us. <laughs> so enjoy it while you can. Heck, DVR all the games and just enjoy it, because I know this season I'm going to look back on. I look back. Even now, I look back at moments of that 2016 season just because we played spoiler. We played spoiler to Clemson, and it's a moment that you still see shown. And Penn State, because by of the what way. it was. Not, not as uh, popular. It's not shown as much, but Penn State would have gone to the playoff if not for Pitt beating them that season. Exactly. And, or I think it was 2018. I could be totally wrong. The year we beat Miami, and I think stopped the undefeated season at that point. Yeah, uh, it might have been. 20... I think it, it was Thanksgiving. I want to say it was 2018. It was either 17 or 18, but yeah, it was it was right around there. Yeah, it's games like that that you you'll find yourself two, three years later pulling up on YouTube saying, "Wow, let me go back and feel what that game was like." And you can still feel the energy at that point. And this is a season that you felt that. So just just enjoy it while you got a shot because there's no guarantee you're going to have it again. I completely agree. Uh, one thing I, I want to do before we go, uh, my rankings, my personal top 25, what I think it should be. We'll see this episode will come out on Tuesday morning. We'll see uh, on Tuesday night what the college football playoff rankings are. Uh, right now, I, I would have Pitt at 18. I'm just, I'll just run down my top 25 uh, and then let me know if you think anything is egregious. But this is what I have. I've got uh, Georgia, who I think is by far the best team in the country. Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati at five, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, I think is really good. Michigan, for me, drops down to nine uh, because of how poorly they play. They got the win against Penn State, but they did not look good at all. Oklahoma State, 10. I've got Wake at 11. One loss, Wake at 11. Uh, Then I've got Baylor, Oklahoma. Baylor just beat Oklahoma, so you've got to have that, uh, which I don't understand why. Uh, last week, the playoff committee had Michigan over Michigan State after Michigan State just beat them. But anyway, Baylor over Oklahoma, Texas A&M. I've got Kentucky, even though they've lost three games. Uh, one of those was to by far the best team in college football. So I still have Kentucky there because um, essentially it's like two losses. Iowa, BYU, Pitt at 18, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Houston, San Diego State, 
UTSA, then Mississippi State and Auburn to round out my top 25. Anything there egregious? I got a little bit of pushback on on Kentucky at 15 because they've got three losses. But uh, anything egregious on your end? Read me back your top five. Top five, I've got Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati. Not really. I mean, I guess I'm one of those people that I just find it personally crazy that you had Penn State lose in nine overtimes to Illinois and drop 13 spots. And then you had Alabama lose to Texas A&M and drop two. <laughs> I know Alabama's a great team. I can't, I can't discredit Saban, but I, I just don't – I don't know if you put him at two. I personally think of them as a four team, and everybody's going to think I'm crazy. But in all honesty, I, I feel like Cincinnati deserves to be in that conversation. They're not a power five school, but aren't they moving to the big 12 in like two years? They, they will be moving to the big 12. We don't know when exactly depends on when Texas and, and Oklahoma leave and all that, but it, it's really difficult for me this year because more so than, than most years. I mean, even the years when Alabama has been great, there's been Clemson there. That's also really good and can challenge them. Agreed. This year, it just doesn't feel like anyone else, but Georgia, I mean, Georgia easily the best team Outside of that, because if you don't have Alabama in two, you say, okay, and and I agree with you. I thought they should have dropped a, a bit more, but then you look at who else. Oregon, they've got a huge win against Ohio State, but they lost against Stanford, and none of the teams in the Pac-12 are that good, so there's really no, no one else to impress. Um, Ohio State, they lost the one game to Oregon. Outside of that, you know, okay, they beat Penn State, they beat Purdue, but we won't really see who they are until these next two weeks against Michigan state and Michigan Cincinnati's undefeated, but they keep, I feel like every week they're begging you to rank them uh, like lower than maybe they should with how they played against Tulsa. they looked a little bit shaky against Navy. They looked a little bit shaky against Tulane Cincinnati, just outside of the Notre Dame game they're They just haven't impressed me yet. Well, I'm, I, I get, and I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And, and lo- listening to all that, I totally see your thought process because you can't argue with it. Like if Ohio state runs the table the rest of the season and ends up at 11 and one. Great. If Oregon is the same thing. Great. The same with Alabama, but regardless, I don't see a team beating Georgia at all. Yeah. Normally I live 15 minutes from Athens. I normally Alabama and Georgia go head to head and everybody goes great time to leave time to call it a night Alabama's gonna win this is the one season I see Georgia stomping the brakes off Alabama if it comes down to it and in all honesty at that point if Georgia doesn't win a national championship don't be surprised if you see a right in Georgia one bit <laughs> because if there's any team to do it this year it's them and overall that's just what I see yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think if, if you were putting all your chips in Georgia versus the field, I still go all in on Georgia. The only team I think could beat them is maybe is Alabama. But even then, I still think Georgia probably wins. I don't I know Oregon beat Ohio State. I know Ohio State's really good. Cincinnati's good. I don't see any team beating Georgia. So ultimately, you move the numbers around, you know, you move the teams around. But Georgia. Yeah, I think regardless, your top your top five or six are going to be the same teams. It's just a matter of where you personally want to rank them. And in all honesty, I say this all the time. I think the college football playoff has a tendency to really kind of cushion Alabama, but this season 
I guess if you really look at the numbers, I mean, the rankings are kind of the way they are for a reason. Nobody can say otherwise Georgia doesn't deserve to be a number one team. And again, it's just a matter of your personal preference when it comes to two to five, really. Yeah. And I think, and ultimately it'll work itself out. If Alabama beats, if they win their next two games, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship, they're in the playoff and they deserve it. Uh, Agreed. Really, really, that's the only thing. You know, Oregon, if they lose another game, they're out. Ohio State, if they lose another game, they're out. If Cincinnati loses one game, they're out. They're out. So, you know, everything sort of works itself out. Really, the only thing is if Bama wins that game, then you've got two SEC teams in because Bama and Georgia would both be in. And then that takes away. To me, at that point, that's fair. Yeah, exactly. If you look at this Georgia defense, and that's the biggest difference for me right now looking at a game between Alabama and Georgia is normally they've got an okay defense. This defense is killer this season. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's what makes the difference. Yeah. And again, if you were the SEC, I know that there's that they can be a little bit arrogant sometimes. They're, you know, snapping up everyone and all that. Yes. This season. (laughs) And sometimes it's, it's too much. And I think it's overrated this season. They are really, really good. And if you are one loss SEC team, you're in. So if that's Georgia, if that's Alabama, if it's both, one loss SEC team and you're in the playoff. And then it's just well, like you game. said, like you said, if Georgia loses a game, it's going to be to Alabama. But even at that point, you're the number one of the number two teams in the nation. What's anybody going to say different about that? Yeah. It, it's why it's why, by the way, I've got Kentucky as high as they do way higher than most people. Because they either lost three games, but one of them was a Georgia, and, and any team in the country playing Georgia would lose to Georgia. So that's that's how I look at it. Well, in all honesty, I think that's the reason. If you look at the the rankings as of last week, the reason Texas A and M's at fifteen because they they beat Alabama. Yeah, to beat the number two team in the country, that says a lot. You might have lost three games otherwise, but everybody, I think, at that point expected it to be a six and four season if you were coming into this week. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, at the top, it'll all work itself out. Um, but yeah, if, if you are uh, a one loss SEC team, you're in. If you're a one loss Ohio State or Oregon, you're in. Uh, and who knows? Maybe if, if a couple things happen and Wake Forest runs the table and they beat Pitt in the AC or whoever in the ACC championship, maybe they can sneak their way in. Uh, but still, a lot has to happen for that. Well, and before we get to that, I got a question for you because. I've had this idea in my head, and I just kind of want to see where your where your thought process is at. This is looking way ahead a few months, but I don't know. Let's just let's play let's play a fairy or something at this point and say Pitt wins the ACC. Can he pick it as a killer season like he's had? Where do you see him going in the draft? And to who? Right now, it seems like it's becoming more and more common to say Kenny Pickett's the top quarterback in the draft. Um, that doesn't mean that he's going to go number one, but I think he goes pretty high. I mean, I I keep seeing draft experts say Kenny Pickett's going to be the top quarterback in the draft, and we think he'll go like 20, number 20, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time that there hasn't been a quarterback taken in the top 20. Like I, I just, whoever the top quarterback is, someone's going to take that person probably in the top 10. I so I think if Kenny, that's the one thing that I, that I don't 
think makes sense is if you think Kenny, whoever the top quarterback in the draft is, no one's just going to be sitting around. Someone's going to take them. Someone's going to, you could even say overvalue them. North Carolina did it with Trubisky. I mean, like everyone does this, Daniel Jones, all these people. So if Kenny Pickett's the number one quarterback and it looks like that's going to be the consensus, I, I think he probably goes something like eight, nine, 10 overall. And who right now, I'll just say the Eagles. I saw Howie Roseman was there at the UNC game. I'll just say the Eagles. See, to me, and I know everybody's going to look at me and say, you're jumping on the bandwagon, you're saying everything else. And I'll be the first to admit I'm a Steelers fan. But I honest, I will not be shocked at one bit if the Steelers trade up and take him. Because if there's one draft over the past five, six seasons at this point that isn't quarterback heavy and the top teams don't need a quarterback, it's this draft. Because normally your teams that are one and two are wanting that quarterback or even one through five, if not more, because there's a reason they're that one to five team. And it's because they've got a bad quarterback. But if you look at a team like Jacksonville that I highly see in that situation or a team like the Dolphins that are probably going to be close, they've got their quarterbacks that they want, or they're trying to trade for somebody that they know that they've had their eyes on for a while. So if there's any draft for the Steelers to honestly trade up and try and go after somebody like that, it's this draft and I don't think you're in the wrong for doing it because if there's somebody I see having a chance, it's somebody like Kenny Pickett. I'm, I'm not a Steelers guy, but if, if he went to the Steelers, that would be a really cool moment. And uh, I think it's mine. They need a, I've been saying for years, the Steelers need a quarterback. I think it's been, you and me both. <laughs> I think it's laughable that anyone thought that Ben Roethlisberger would be decent in the last couple of years. Uh, I think when he got hurt and when he was out, you know, for a while, a couple of years ago, like to me, that was it. Um, I think it's been absurd that they have not drafted a future starter, or if they did that, they, they thought Mason Rudolph would be the future starter. They need to draft a quarterback in the first round. Uh, this could be the year. I mean, there are other teams. The Eagles might need a quarterback. The Lions were the worst team in football. They've got golf, but he does not look good. So maybe them Houston, Things aren't looking great with Deshaun Watson, so maybe them. Uh, but, you know, overall, you know, Washington football team maybe. But overall, yeah, a lot of those teams that have been bad, the Jets, the Giants, the Jags, they've got someone who they think is going to be their quarterback. So it does sort of cut down the number of teams who might take him. And both the Steelers and the Eagles, by the way, I mean, he could stay in Pennsylvania. I think both of them uh, would do well with Kenny Pickett. Well, and whoever it is – because I don't see the Eagles doing great this season, and I don't see the Steelers. I say the Steelers are lucky to finish 500 at this point, especially with the tie yesterday. <laughs> but regardless of whoever you are, I think you're going to have to trade up to get them. Just because there's, like you said, there's that worry of those other teams regardless. If you get anywhere to 10 to 15, I think somebody else could easily trade up and say, okay, it's my time to grab them. It's too good of a deal to pass up. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think he's going to go pretty high, and I, th- I think he deserves it. Uh, overall, Colin, before we go, any thoughts on uh, on pit football and and you know just anything this season? It's been a great season. I'm. I never thought that I would be seeing a pit team like this. So, like I've been saying, everybody else, soak it up because I sure have, and it's been great to watch. And if we win, if we win Saturday. 
I'm going to be running around my house like crazy. Well, actually, I take that back because I'm probably going to be in Sanford Stadium. So I'll be running around Sanford Stadium like crazy. <laughs> but, but other than that, just just soak it in because regardless, it's either the start of something great or it's the last hurrah. And either way, we're seeing something memorable. And when this season comes to a close, it's time to root for the hoops. It's yeah, and uh, and we'll be talking more about that moving forward. Um, I think this game is going to be absolutely huge. If you're in Pittsburgh, if you can make it to the game, do what you can to be there. It's going to be senior day. It's going to be Kenny Pickett's last game at home. And uh, and it's a literal must-win game for this Pitt football team. And that does not happen too often where they can win an ACC championship. But they can do it this year if they win this game. Uh, you can't be there. I, unfortunately, can't be there. But if you're in Pittsburgh, if you're in the area, do whatever you can to be there, to make it there. Uh, because it, it could be a really special moment, and it's going to be a really important moment for this pit football team. Uh, before we go, Colin, anything to plug? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Cardiac Hill. I'm actually about to start writing for Behind the Steel Curtain as well, so you can check my work out over there. And um, follow me on Twitter. My handle is Colin underscore S18, and you'll see my crazy Pittsburgh takes, in all honesty. I'm just a Pittsburgh guy in Georgia. What can I say? <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, that will do it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen. Uh, you can follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Search for Cardiac Hill. Hit subscribe. And uh, we will be back next week with a new episode coming out Tuesday morning following that Pitt Virginia game. We want to thank you all so much uh, for listening to this episode. Um, for my guest, this one, Colin Sturchio from Cardiac Hill. I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.